To Star Wars Escape Pod, I'm your host Josh, and we have Blake in the Escape Pod to chat all about Echo. What happened? We're going to be following up with some conversation after, but uh, we're going through the life and legend of Arc Trooper Echo. CT1409 began his adventure in Star Wars: The Clone Wars and is now a reoccurring and constant character of the main cast of Star Wars: The Bad Batch. So we're going to be telling you what happened with him in the Clone Wars, getting into all his character depth, his detail, and his story arcs from the beginning to the present. Let's do it. Another happy landing. Hello, sir. Hello there. Welcome back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, time we, for uh, another podcast. This time, uh, getting into Echo. Pretty exciting. Getting into Echo is right. I mean, it's uh, an interesting character because unlike some of the clones that we've seen through Star Wars The Clone Wars, he's uh, more more of a main focus clone. True. And don't hold it against me. But I think I always preferred fives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's the one that's dead. <laughs> Ironically, as we're going to get into, kind of uh, the old switcheroo, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Echo is known as one of the heroes of an axis or the hero of an axis and uh, ended up like all the other clones being born on Camino and uh, fought the whole clone war and survived the purge and everything. And, uh, you know, he lived a long life. He's like one of the Rambo clones. (laughs) He probably is one of the few that actually survived the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if anything, if he's not first gen, he's he's second batch kind of thing. I think think second because he never did fight on Geonosis. Right. Yeah. He's, um, that's right. Yeah. So he was probably, uh, he's, yeah, probably part of that second, that second wave of troops. He also ran into Rex and Cody and they called him a shiny. So I think that means he, yeah, you got to be <laughs> yeah. gen two then. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so let's get into this character. We're going to, we're going to kick things off with going through his story starting first in the Clone Wars, and we're going to lead right up through his appearance in the Bad Batch. And uh, and then, of course, his additional mentions that he's had throughout the franchise, which usually includes books and comics. Now, to anyone listening who isn't familiar with the What Happened episodes, this is kind of what we do uh, with the What Happened episodes. We take a character of some particular title and we just talk about their their character as uh, throughout 
the moments that they've shown up in Star Wars as like an entire character arc in a way and kind of go through the phases of uh, how this character has changed and evolved and uh, some of the events that they've taken place in and, you know, the events that they've uh, had to do with with other characters and, you know, why they're possibly even significant in any way whatsoever to the saga, if we can even make that connection. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, let's uh, let's start off with the first arc that Echo showed up in, which, to be fair, the chronology of the Clone Wars is absolutely terrible. All right. Yeah, I was going to uh, get into this myself <laughs> if you didn't. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not very good. So uh, I always recommend watching it in chronological order, which you can find the list on Google. I mean, uh, you know, I think I think I've sent it to you quite a few times. You had uh, your own at one point. I did have my own. Yeah, I, I actually I copied it from the Star Wars website, and then there were some people who had noticed some some inconsistencies with the way that it laid out, and they actually had a better version. As to like watch it in order, oh, nice. so it was like it was like two or three switcheroos that they had to do, but um, that was that was I took note of that, and then I also threw in where the comics like the Dark Disciple and the Son of Dathomir comic and you know all that <clears throat> took place, and uh, made my own kind of list that I would then give to people who wanted to watch the show, and then I just kind of blew it up a little more and grew it and, and it turned into a list of every single canon book comic and yeah everything i remember ever. you were uh, yeah. <laughs> dedicated to that there's one thing that i've learned over the years that you love to do is just having an absurd level of detail of making sure everything is just nicely ordered <laughs> organized data very yeah. organized yes i'm a big fan <laughs> of organized data yeah <laughs> yeah don't go into any of my files <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the first uh, the first arc shall we call it because we got we got one two three Clone Wars arcs that this character showed up in. Now two of those three, which are the later two that we'll be talking about, are actual arcs of a story. Uh, the first arc that I'm kind of going to be talking about is not a consistent three episodes. Uh, they've, they're a bit disjointed, uh, take place over multiple seasons, but there are three episodes that all kind of tie together to make one story. And before, I just wanted to point out one last thing about the chronological thing, because I think it's extra important to this, where I think even these first couple episodes were out of order. So it should have been graduating Domino Squad, where we actually see fives like trained to be a trooper should be first but in season one they actually released him already as a trooper yeah which yeah. is extremely confusing yeah that's the confusing part about watching this show in release order because which is also the same terrible order that they have it on disney plus and and it's like it makes sense because of course it's split up by season but at the same time it's just like i don't know why they don't just jumble it all together in one massive thing and it would be a lot to go through mind you but yeah um, so yeah, in the show season one, he starts off as a clone trooper, but chronologically this episode takes place first. So we're starting with season three, episode one called clone cadets. Yes. You heard and that right. The first episode that we're going to talk about goes season three and the second episode is season one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So echo, you know, he, he gets his name for having a tendency to repeat what other repeat orders. I guess, you know, repeat what, what other people say. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about Echo is he's, uh, 
his batch of clones that he hangs out with all the time, his crew uh, or his his uh, his squad, Domino Squad, is is very different in the sense of, like how they operate. And, uh, you know, that's that's one thing that really sticks out to me about this character and possibly the reason why he's an ARC trooper in the first place is like he's got this tendency to be very creative with just how he operates in battle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can kind of see, I guess, the 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 first kind of steps take place in this episode of how he got to be an ARC trooper, because as we know, the majority of of troopers never got that far. Yeah. I talk about EU stuff quite a bit, and this was one of this arc, I guess, if you want to go as far as to the point where he becomes an arc trooper. That was a massive shift from EU because EU, whatever rank they were coming out of the batch and training, that's what they were. Like there was no moving up. Yeah. So arc troopers were bred to be arc troopers. Right. They were bred to be better. Exactly. They got different training from birth. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing about Echo that was, you know, speculated by by uh, Lama Su, I guess, or uh, uh, the 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 Kaminoans in charge of the training, was that he was possibly just uh, too defective, I guess, or yeah. too deficient. Their whole yeah. squad was considered defective. They yeah. each had. A, a different issue that allowed them to not work together very well. So they nearly failed their training. And that's what this whole arc is actually about. And it's mm-hmm. about them actually overcoming their own independent issues to work together as a squad. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, something about this squad, Domino Squad, you know, he's got a couple uh, a couple brothers in, in the squad. There's um, Cut Up, Droid Bait, Fives, and Heavy. And, you know, as they kind of fail in their training, they're, they're pretty much at the point of like not succeeding at all. And uh, they're, they're ready to be tossed away as, as janitors, which uh, there's a, a clone trooper, um, uh, yeah. you know, a malformed clone called Clone 99, who uh, represents kind of the, the failed attempts at making a human. And he's deformed and it's, you know, it's, a, it's, he's not treated very well. And it's, it's kind of like a, he he represents a very large part of society in general. I think you know when it comes to uh, clones that are all the same, yeah. and yet they treat the one that looks different differently, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know he was clearly made to represent that issue, right? I think it was more an incident. My understanding was he was there's something went wrong in the process. Whether he was supposed to be genetically changed, similar to the the bad batch crew and it went wrong or if something yeah. went wrong in the tank itself yeah it could have been anything malformed yeah. him if you want an idea of what he looks like if you've ever seen the movie 300 he's kind of kind of look like the hunchback guy yeah and that's kind of like yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at i mean like you know you, you if he was like an actual person hobbling around crutch you know crouching yeah. over and or, you know uh, he just looks he looks different right like he he you know people would kind of What's Stop that? and stare. Hunchback like, of Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Hunchback yeah. of Notre Dame. Like people would stop and stare at him, right? And it's like, so he he's kind of, you know, he, he, what he's, um, he kind of has like a, a word with, uh, I think it's it's heavy, right? He has a word with heavy about uh, about having a chance. Like they're, they're actual like clone troopers that have a chance at being able to do what they're bred to do. And he yep. has no chance. His chance was 
thrown it away like he him. was. Yeah. Yeah. It was taken from him. Right? And, 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 uh, and yet, you know, his heart is in the same place as all their other brothers, but because his body's not the same, he's not fit for battle. So yeah. he, he basically convinces this broken team that's like frustrated that they're failing this test to go and do what they do. And they end up passing the test with flying colors. The second and, time through. The first time. Yeah, they, the they, second time. They fail miserably. And they, uh, the Jedi, Jedi leader in charge, um, forget what her name was, but she actually decides that they should be allowed a second shot because the clone troopers aren't originally supposed to allowed to have like an actual second chance at the test so they're given that and the head bounty hunter who's organizing it actually makes it more difficult than the standard test and they still manage to pass by being more creative and very similar to the bad batch and episode um, where tarkin's testing them which is interesting Yeah. yeah totally totally so uh something that that really sticks out about this episode is, is, uh, that second chance. And even the, uh, uh, you know, one of the, one of the cheats that is basically put in echoes way as part of his part of his squad, that is, is, uh, to prevent him from passing the test and they pass anyways. And, you know, and echoes one of these few people that, that has something to do with that and the creativity of that, uh, progression that ends up getting them the, the status of trooper. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. by the end of this episode, they get sent off to do the mission that they've been born to do, right? So the arc picks up in uh, season one, episode four, uh, season one, episode uh, five, sorry. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's the fifth episode. I think, I, yeah, yeah, it's the fifth episode of the first season. It's called Rookies. And uh, it picks up with Domino Squad on the Rishi Moon Outpost, which is uh, a very boring place to be. It's on uh, Rishi Moon is one of the moons above Kamino and operates almost like a shield and a uh, emergency beacon for mm-hmm. the planet because Kamino needs to be heavily protected because this is a time of war. That's where all the troops come from. Like Kamino is arguably, aside from the capital being Coruscant, the most important planet that the Republic can defend oh, yeah. because Un- that's where all their troops come from. If right? you think like, about uh, it, that's a massive flaw. <laughs> oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Send all of our troops there and just blow it up and, yeah, and they're yeah. done. The war's over. It makes, it makes sense that the Seppis tried to attack Kamino, right? Because, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you have any of you guys have played the Battlefront 2 video game, you'll know that Kamino is a level, uh, a multiplayer map in that game. They actually stylized the, the level or the map based on that episode arc from the Clone Wars, which is all these spider droids coming out of the water and attacking Topoka City. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really cool that, that it's we finally... It's actually full circle because yeah. after episode three, the, like the film came out, the Battlefront 2 game had an episode where you were fighting on Kamino, but you were fighting... Yeah. I think there is one you fight against droids as well, but... The one I'm thinking of, you fight against your other brothers. So it was actually a battle on Kamino, and that inspired the episode, which then inspired the new Battlefront 2. So. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, it's cool. Rishi Moon Outpost, it's a boring place to be because, of course, who dares attack the Separatist homeworld, right? I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's either, nothing, either nothing's happening or everything's going on all at once, right? So they're there to burn some time, you know, and... Uh, you know, as 
simply put as if they were in prison kind of thing. Yeah. One thing <laughs> I was actually really neat about the beacon that I discovered is that it works by constantly emitting an okay signal. And then if something yeah. happens, lose power, whatever, then that goes away. And then right. people know yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, like a broken connection or whatever being severed, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of a trap in a way because if the Rishimun outpost is destroyed, which a lot of the time that's what military is about, right? It's just like, oh, let's knock out the enemy base, right? Yeah. So you'd think like, oh, if I'm attacking Kamino, I'm going to attack their outpost first. So that way they can't send Send any word of support or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, send a signal saying, hey, they're coming. But it's actually that, you know, they have to... Constantly have the yeah the signal going for for things to be okay right and it's uh, clever. You know, it is really clever. Uh, this is also the first episode that we see BX series uh, droid commandos, which are a very cool addition to the Clone Wars. Um, you know, I, I think a much needed position to fill, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, is because well, you get the you have the heavy battle droids, which move yeah. slow and clunky, and then you have the standard battle droids, which are a little bit quicker but still pretty clunky. But the droids are always at a disadvantage against the clones. And you got the you got the droidicas, but they're like arguably they're, not that stealthy. They're almost like <laughs> tanks, to be honest. Yeah, they're yeah, they're a bit like tanks. Or they're turrets. heavy, they're big, they're bulky, and I bet they're very expensive to make too. That so. too. But there's really nothing that's really agile and can yeah. outmaneuver clones in a physical sense. Because right. the clones will always up to this point always had an advantage of being able to move quicker, actually take cover, hide behind stuff. Uh, and try to like get in behind, right? Whereas the droids we have now are basically like walk forward and shoot. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Grievous sent these BX units to attack the Rishi Moon outposts, and he's he's planned this entire infiltration of of Kamino, basically. And uh, they uh, they actually successfully get into the base and everything, and things don't go so well for Domino Squad. In fact, uh, a, a few of them even die which is in the crazy process to me. of this. It, yeah, it, which is crazy because, you know, you spend a whole episode with some of these clones and then they all end up being picked off one by one. Yeah, exactly. You make a connection and get to know them personally. They have actual story arcs of progression. And then the next episode, yeah. they're all killed. And yeah, yeah. I kind of blame Lucasfilm for this as well, is they actually ruined that by releasing it out of order. Yeah. <laughs> these clones die and then you meet them. Maybe it was such a one-off episode, and then Dave was like, eh, what, "What if we go back and make these characters a little better? You know, give give people something to look forward to. <laughs> you know, kill them off." <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's like he was learning I mean, with the master, and the master likes prequels. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good episode. By the end of the episode, Echo and Fives are the only two left and, and, you know, Rex and Cody end up coming to their rescue in a way because they're there to inspect the base and, uh, they end up retaking it back. They end up blowing up the base. But the crazy thing about blowing up the base is that Heavy's actually the one to do it. And Heavy actually sacrifices himself to blow up the Rishi Moon outpost. That's right. And, Echo and Fives actually benefit from this, from the reward of that, because they're part of that event, and uh, and they get they get a little medal for it, and and Rex says that he'd be happy to fight with them in the five hundred first any day anywhere, and uh, you know that, that's that's something that I think stuck with me about those two characters, Fives and Echo, both It's like. You know, anyone I'd, I've never been to war myself. I'm not a soldier or anything like that. 
But I mean, I can't imagine the process of like going to uh, an event, you know, where where my friends die, mm-hmm. and then I'm a sole survivor and get a little medal saying that, you know, it's crazy I made it out of there and people have because of their sacrifice, right? Like, real world, people have been through that, right? Like it's a crazy yeah. thing to think about. It is, yeah, totally, and you know, and in a in a in an interesting way, you know, a lot of these episodes that feature the clones are very based in a real world scenario, right? Where, you know, war is a real, a real thing and, and, and so is sacrifice and the, the sacrifices of war. So sometimes it, when I watch that episode as, as like that, that usually hits me at the very end where, you know, he gets rewarded for any, and he says something to Rex in the, in the regard of like that he doesn't deserve this honor because, you know, he wasn't, he didn't die with everyone else, right? Yeah. Everyone else had a nobler sacrifice, which yeah, it's survivor's yeah. guilt. And that's a very common thing in those situations. Right. Yeah. Survivor's guilt. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think something about echo that kind of rings through his character, you know, is, is exactly that is survivor's guilt. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think he kind of channels it to drive himself to always, I think Try he to do does. Better. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, and it, it mixes well with his ability to be creative in battle for sure. And that's, I think, what makes him the perfect arc trooper. Which in the next episode, which now we're going to get into, uh, and the last episode of this kind of progression arc to his status as arc trooper, it's called Arc Troopers, naturally, and is the second episode of the third season now. And uh, so we're jumping back to you know third season again, and uh, this is. <clears throat> this is a pretty interesting one because this is the episode that Camino finally comes under attack yep. by uh, Grievous and the Separatist forces. And uh, this episode was one of my favorites of, of the whole season until until we got to the Mortis arc. Then those ones became my new favorite. But uh, I loved seeing Camino under attack and new parts of Camino. And it was cool. And it was very pretty. Yeah, it was it was very it, it was so cool. Yeah, and, it, and the fact that they do you find they, it ironic that the separatists attack with giant squid like ships? Yeah, Waterworld. <laughs> yeah, I find it interesting for sure, and it's it's like, huh? Like I wonder, I don't know how they got those, where they got those. Actually, you know what's funny? When we were watching the two D Clone Wars show. And, you know, we actually did an episode on this 2D Clone Wars, or Clone Wars versus the Clone Wars. This is a little while ago that we did that now. Right. But those squid-like ships, I believe, were Quarren, I think, in the 2D animated series. I believe the Quor- the Quarren were using those, they those ships. They had a giant squid sort of robot thing they were driving. Is that what yeah. you're referring to? They, they, they were driving Kid something. Fisto? It was, it was like a... Uh, yeah, the, it's the the two the the micro short that had Kifisto. Yeah, yeah, and and I believe the Corin had those those same exact ships or something that looks similar. But uh, yeah, so you know, Camino comes under attack and everything. And uh, ninety nine was also a pretty a pretty main focus of this. The entire point of the invasion was to steal uh, Jango Fett's DNA from the clone facilities and uh, which and is, uh, uh, they could me, unlock new possibilities for new droids and stuff, which I thought was kind of strange. But whatever. I mean, I, I wait the one for droids that is silly. You think they would steal yeah. it so that 
the DNA they have would degrade, which is the problem they have now, and they can't make more clones. But right. a simpler thing is just to blow up the only facility <laughs> on this only planet. It is really, it is. I think, uh, yeah, and that was that was one thing that stuck out to me as kind of a why sort of yeah. thing, like like well, like why do why do you need the DNA for making droids? Like, does it make sense? It but, doesn't make any sense. Like, steal the DNA because it screws them over. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, one thing we have to keep in mind, I guess, is Palpatine is controlling both sides, so he doesn't want the war to end. So he's not going to make them successfully blow up. That's true. Himself. He doesn't want the DNA to be destroyed, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I totally didn't of, think of that. Just bit now. of an oversight. It's funny, though, that yeah. these quotations, Jedi generals never thought far enough ahead that this could be a problem as far as the survivability of their army. <laughs> Blind we are. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. So 99 was a bit of a focus in this episode because he finally gets a chance to prove himself in battle and gets shot in the back while uh, getting more ammunitions or yeah. arms for the for echo and fives and some of the cadets and everything in the in the cloning facility as they're defending uh Topoka city and uh you know something about echo and fives uh in this oh sorry he was he was giving that stuff to was he was was echo and fives there at that point or was that just yeah, rex so, and cody no they, were, they were there so echo and fives were put into sniping positions by one of the local arc troopers and so they were taking sniper oh, shots right. yeah. at the droids and 99 showed up and he was carrying grenades for them to use. So they moved, oh, they used that right. and then they needed to move to a new position to get more grenades. They did, yeah. And along the lines of acquiring more grenades, 99 gets shot in the back. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they, they obviously proved themselves to be, you know, pretty good sharpshooters because uh, at the end of this episode, they got promoted to elite rank of ARC Trooper. So Which that was kind of nice. Pretty crazy. and Yeah, pretty nuts. And But again, somebody died in the process. It's true. To Someone they were very close to, at least for Echo. Yeah. I'm not sure about Fives. Yeah. And it's also in this episode that it turns out that uh, Heavy who died on the Rishi Moon Outpost, had given 99 his medal, uh, his medal right, for making yeah, trooper was, status. Or he whatever. was wearing it. And uh, Heavy yeah. gave him the medal at the end of the, the Cadets episode, right at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So when he got his uh, when he got his trooper Bravo. status, he gave Heavy his his medal and, and said, you're one of us. You're you're just as much as one of us as anyone else is. Right. Yeah. And and so, yeah. So 99 story arc kind of comes full circle. But that's another oh, it goes another a wee bit farther. I think this is a good time to talk about the fact that uh, Clone 99 here. Yeah, he was he became the inspiration for the Bad Batch. Yeah, I, and I, I'm convinced they've never actually confirmed it, but I'm pretty convinced that that Clone 99 is what the Bad Batch Clone Force 99 is named after. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm I What's you say that they haven't confirmed it, but in the arc where we meet the Bad Batch, they say Clone Force 99. Rex says 99, huh? As good number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is 
99. What uh, else could it be pointing yeah. to other than yeah. right? Yeah, uh, this like clone 99. What's also interesting is that recently, I don't know if you've you've dipped into the uh, the Marvel comics or whatever, but there's the uh, there's something called the Imperial, I think it's called um, Task Force 99. Now, Task Force 99 is a group of stormtroopers very much like the Bad Batch, Clone Force 99. And they kind of exist in the same time space, theoretically. But they're basically a bunch of elite stormtroopers that I don't... I forget if they have powers or if they're all just insanely good at what they do. But they have been a uh, a possible a possible name drop that they could show up in the Bad Batch at some point and have Clone Force 99 fight off Task Force 99, which would... <laughs> Which would be kind of cool. I don't know what Task Force 99 is named after. Maybe maybe Tarkin wants Clone Force 99 back and was like, hey, let's just make our own with some of our our own uh, elite stormtroopers or whatever, right? Uh, So you never know. They're going to be led by Crosshair. Yeah, that's possible for sure. If if well, if it if it uh, if it's like an early iteration of Task Force 99, I could see that happening. But um, what's interesting about this episode is like Clone, uh, Clone 99, you know, he comes full circle and it's another sacrifice that Echo, I think, kind of sees and has to carry on with him as he progresses forward with fives at his side as an ARC trooper. So the next time we see them, though, they are ARC troopers and they take they take a, a big part of the the mission that you're going to talk about, which is the the trilogy of episodes where they journey to the citadel to rescue even peel and captain tarkin yeah these are some really interesting episodes because namely we do meet tarkin and it was very unexpected i know when i was watching it i was not expecting tarkin to show up at all and he's quite young here and he actually is working for the republic because i know as far as I was aware, he didn't really come into this Star Wars lore until he was in the Empire. So mm-hmm. uh, the Citadel itself is actually a prison planet that was built to hold Jedi, the Separatists actually captured, which makes sense because you you would think when they catch the Jedi, because there's enough of them around, that this will inevitably happen that they would have to do something with them. So the idea was they take them to this planet where they couldn't escape, even with their powers, and then they could yeah. be interrogated. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like the Citadel, uh, in theory, like uh, the the reason as to why it, it exists is like, is it's pretty twisted, honestly. Like, uh, I believe it was once owned by, uh, by the Republic in like very old times. And then was taken over by the separatists, but it was built to to contain uh, to contain force users. I mean, it makes sense. It's probably from the old Jedi Wars. So in this arc, uh, the five hundred first, as well as Obi Wan Kenobi and uh, and Anakin Skywalker, <clears throat> and and. Surprisingly, Ahsoka, who snuck snuck uh, snuck into the the mission, they they're tasked with going to the Citadel and finding Jedi Master Even Peel because he's got 
secret codes for the hyperspace route that's needed uh, for the Republic. So uh, upon finding and getting him out of the prison itself, Peel informs his rescuers that his crewman, Captain Wilhelf, Wilhelf Tarkin, had memorized half the codes and he memorized the other. So they decide to split into two different groups and Echo is goes along with, with Tarkin and has to deal with all of the, I guess, confrontation of Tarkin, basically saying how clones are unneeded and all. Yeah. Not seeing why they couldn't just use regular soldiers, which is pretty good foreshadowing to basically what happens at the Empire. Yeah. So towards the end, uh, Echo uh, attempts to stop a uh, stop a droid carrying a personal riot shield, and he fires his blaster towards it, but ultimately fails. And the droid successfully fires upon upon their shuttle and causes it to explode. So as they're trying to escape, this droid manages to blow up the shuttle and the explosion of the shuttle actually we're led to believe kills echo. Yeah. You know, he dies in a very similar way that 99 does because he's like, Hey, we need to get the shuttle, you know? And then he goes towards the shuttle, just like 99 was like, we need ammunition. And then he goes off to get more stuff. And then, and then, you know, the droid blows up the shuttle and it gets him. And, and as he's kind of going off to do his thing, but it's, it's kind of a, it's a really sad death because like the music goes like, Oh, you know, and then <laughs> there's a lot then, of buildup. Cause he was supposed yeah, to be one of the main troopers. Right. Yeah. And you see his helmet just like torn up and blown apart on the, on the ground, smoke. kind of yeah. smoking. And yeah. And there's a huge time gap from here until spoilers. We find out that he survived, which I don't know if Dave actually had planned this from the start or he saw this as an opportunity because we never saw Echo's body. Right. I mean, we just assumed that it was blown to smithereens, right? Yeah. And you'd also think that this is supposed to be a kid's show, so they probably wouldn't want to show one of the heroes' corpses. Yeah. I'd like to mention on the side, too, that Citadel Rescue, the third episode of that arc is one of the best episodes in the whole season. In fact, I would probably argue it's one of the best episodes of the entire show. Uh, it is incredibly well scripted. The effects were amazing. And the story progression for characters like Ahsoka, Tarkin, even Peel, you know, Echo. I mean, everything just happened so nicely, like well-timed. Everything was super well done. The voiceovers were awesome. The music was great. And it also had uh, a big chunk of relevant information to how the Separatists even get to Coruscant using hyperspace lanes, secret hyperspace lanes. And uh, that's part of the information as to what Tarkin and even Peel actually hold, which is why the rescue mission is attempted in the first place, because they have such valuable information. So, yeah, really cool episode. And the Citadel, I just looked it up. It was constructed by the jedi order to hold rogue jedi i've twisted yeah, that that makes and then sense. and then the cis take it over at the beginning of the war and it makes a perfect prison for jedi it was actually mentioned in the dooku jedi lost audio story and mentioned in the battlefront 2 game which i uh had no recollection of but that's what it says the here. original battlefront 2 or the new one 
uh, I believe it's the uh, the new one that they're referring to. Yeah. And then uh, Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, mm-hmm. the one that focused in on Galen Erso. I was mentioned in that as well. And then uh, I'm not surprised by and the Tarkin book. Tarkin's in it. Yeah. The Tarkin book. Uh, yeah. Um, you read that one as well, the Tarkin book. Yeah. I enjoyed that one quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, to be honest, after reading that book, I was left a little bit disappointed with the modern Thrawn because they're both. Yeah. They're extremely yeah. similar. Yeah, for I sure. thought Tarkin was was done a little better. So, uh, some time has passed until we see Echo again, which is not till the very final episodes of like season six. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which at this point in time is season seven because. The right. Bad Batch arc used to be proxy animation for season six. And then when they finished the show, I'm yeah. using my, my quotes here, finished, it's not actually finished. But when they when they threw us a bone and gave us season seven, we uh, we had the completed story arc for the Bad Batch story, which, you know, finally completed the animation and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so season seven, a- end of the show. Like, yeah, it was like the yeah, very end of it too. Like I think the yeah. only thing left was like the Ahsoka, uh, like order 66 stuff. Yeah. That in the finale. Yeah. Yeah. And we find out that echo has been, his body has been like taken and captured by the separatists and they've done a lot of experiments and cybernetic enhancements to him. And he's left, the techno union of all places. Too. Yeah. I mean, like only only the techno union would like take a clone and then just use him as like a human experiment. Right. I mean, that that's the craziest part to me. That's what I love so much about it. Yeah. One thing that I actually didn't realize until I looked into this episode a bit closer is he was technically sold to the techno union. So they rebuilt him as a cyborg and then basically sold him into mental slavery. Interesting. Interesting. So that takes place, I guess, between the episodes at some point. Yeah, this is in between from, I guess, a bit of story. I'm not sure where this came from. If it was mentioned in the book or was just some sentence that was like offhandedly mentioned. But I was surprised to hear that. So when we see him, he's actually got a new replaced arm, which has got the, the... Kind of the R2 screwdriver for like attaching to computer terminals as well. Yeah. He's got uh, brain chips and like the the lobot head thing going on and his torso down. Some of the mall has been replaced. Yeah, they basically used him as like a human processor, right? Like just extracting information out of his brain and yeah. also kind of using him as like an artificial intelligence network in a way. Like they were running through the Republic's strategies and using echo to kind of counter those strategies so that they could know how to defeat the republic i think it's pretty insane it's pretty nuts i think part of the reason why they picked him over random clones is he was an arc trooper of the 501st which was no higher clearance yeah yeah. and and because he was in the 501st he also was with the group that had the most successful missions yeah yeah the 501st was always known to have an extremely good victory ratio uh, rate right mm-hmm. yeah I don't, I don't know if they ever actually failed anyway um it's kind of we, we actually see him i'm jumping ahead a little bit here but he's kind of like in a stasis chamber thing and he's plugged in and it reminds me a lot of the matrix 
Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's yeah. kind of like a reverse matrix, right? So instead of being right. being born in the matrix and then like Neo coming out is released, it, yeah. yeah, like he gets out and realizes all of this, these horrible things. Yeah. He was kind of like captured, like forced into it. But he does have the Neo moment because when he wakes up, he doesn't know that any of this has happened. Yeah, it's like no time has gone by. Yeah, so I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So I'm just going to quickly catch us up to that point. And that... And how we get there is Rex recognizes a code. So he's now Rex is now working with the Bad Batch, and they, they're on a mission, and they intercept a signal from the Separatists, and in it is a code, which Rex is able to decipher, and is actually Echo's clone number. Yeah, like his call sign. Yeah, and believing his friend is dead, he's left kind of in turmoil, but he needs to check it out because he needs to know. And most, even Anakin, but everyone in the party thinks that he's, Echo's dead. And they keep trying to reassure him, like, Echo's dead. Like, this can't be the case. Yeah, they kind of think Rex is losing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And we kind of see over the arc of the episode, once they get into the Techno Union base, that the signal is coming from this single chamber at the back of the base and inside of it is echo and he's tied up to this giant computer yeah you know and it's it's one thing to kind of talk about echo seeing all these sacrifices being made around him and how it affects him but it's actually brought up in this episode that rex is really dealing with that you know and he he's like kind of getting teary-eyed over a picture of echo that he that he has in his possession and uh, I believe he has a word with Anakin about it when when he's insistent, like I, I can, you know, I hear a signal that's got to be him. He's got to be alive. And he's insistent that he's out there. But the rest of them are not as convinced. Right. But he, he actually shares a little bit with Anakin about, you know, how he's like seen so many people, so many of his brothers die in the war. Right. And so I think for him, it's like he sees it as an opportunity to finally Maybe even if one of them is still alive, like he can actually do something about it and save yeah. him, right? Yeah, exactly. He's finally given a chance yeah. because many of his brothers that died, he, there was nothing he could do completely out of yeah. his hands. Yeah. So one thing that was kind of surprising um, and honestly, I can't imagine being like more terrifying is when Echo wakes up. So they they break him out of the stasis chamber. Rector like tears off the door and they get him out and unplug him. And when he wakes up, the last thing he remembers is the explosion on the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like no time has gone by. Right. And, and you know, that's, what's kind of crazy about bringing a character like this back. It's like, I guess he wouldn't remember anything, you know, no. even after all so, these experiments and stuff, like they would probably keep him on stasis the whole time. Yeah. So it seems they kept him unconscious the entire time. He never came to, which yeah. from his perspective, yeah. he was trying to save his friends from this as they're trying to escape and the shuttle blows up and he just is, yeah. just goes, it just black out. And then you'll wake up. And these weird clones and racks are over him and he's tied to this machine and his, most of his body has been replaced with cybernetics. Yeah. You know, and what's crazy about this is, is you know, I, I mean, not to jump forward too much or whatever, but I mean, unless you're already ready to kind of get around to this, he actually, 
he actually finds out, of course, after the fact that Fives is dead at this point. Because in his time of being absent from the battle, Fives had his own little mental breakdown trying to figure out uh, more information about the chips in all their heads, right? In the clone's heads. And died in the process of trying to get that information to Anakin and and Rex, right? He was shot by uh, the shock troopers on Coruscant. And... uh, and that was like his buddy, right? Like that's uh, that's Echo's kind of arc trooper pal is uh, is arc trooper fives, and and now he's gone, right? So he wakes up after all this like hell, this you know nightmare that he's been in, and and he's lost his best friend. He's no longer there, right? No longer around, and you it's know really just that's kind of like it is kind of sad because that's kind of like I think the last bone, you know, you you realize that you're not only kind of back from the dead. But after all the sacrifices that you've seen, you finally realize, you know, the the person that was like closest to being like my only kind of singular brother out of this army of people that are related to me in a way is also gone. You know, and the, you're and like the sole survivor. He feels like an outsider now because he's also got true. all this weird stuff on him. And it's kind of poetic in a really sad way because both of them, this is something that is very abnormal is both of them had to go through the loss of the other. Cause normally, yeah. Yeah. If you lose a family member, they're not going to mourn you. Right. Like right. they're dead. But in this case, yeah. you get both brothers having to mourn each other, which is kind yeah. of, unheard of, it's kind of crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, and at this point he's not only lost everyone he cares about. I mean, uh, I mean, arguably, I guess he's got Rex who he's got good relations with, but uh, he, you know, his clone brothers and such are, are are gone, right? And he feels like an outsider. And now he looks like an outsider, too. So I love how they finish off this story arc, if you want yeah. to talk about that. Well, that's at the very end of it. But they there's a, a third episode here. And it's something that I've actually found to be really interesting. This is where I think they made Echo's new... I guess you'd call it body, but his, his new um, life circumstances actually show a bit of shine, you know, made him more of, I guess, a, a bit of a diamond in a rough, if you, if you will. And that's because now he, because he was used as a separatist, uh, like planning droid, general, whatever. As a tool, yeah. He now knows what they would do. So it kind of backfires on the separatists where now yeah. he knows all of all of their plans and how they work and can with because he was tied to their internal system he can actually give them false information and so that's used throughout this episode to round up a lot of the droids that were sent to kill uh, Mace Windu and then he release a, a pulse an electromagnetic pulse and kill all the droids at once. And it's also used one other time, uh, Admiral Trench, sorry, I was looking for his name, where Admiral Trench actually has a a backup plan of a bomb set up. Echo's able to get into the computer to get most of of the the codes to deactivate it. Well, Mace Windu and and everyone else had to figure out the last bit by interrogating... um, Admiral Trench himself. But what, one thing I really liked through this episode is you're kind of left not knowing which side Echo is on, which I found to be really fascinating because... Yeah, because you don't know if he's corrupted or not, right? That's exactly it. So it's like... a machine then, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? So like he's offering to help 
the Republic again. But yeah. at the same time, he might be an inside man for the Separatists because he's yeah. Yeah. he really is at this point a soldier of both militaries, both armies. Yeah, and his body is representative of that. He's like half droid, half hu- half human, right? It's exactly half cloned, even more specific. Yeah, half clone. Half, yeah, half clone, half droid. Probably the only one that is of that type, right? Uh, and yeah, manufactured by both. <laughs> you, know. you know, that raises a good point because you would think with an army of clones, there's bound to be clones that lose limbs and stuff, but you yeah. never see cybernetic clones. Well, and even if the cybernetics were given to them, you they would be Republic-grade material, right? Like they would be issued by the Republic and built Spooky by a company hands. from the... Yeah, something like that. It's funny that Echo, though, is the child of two galactic armies, basically. You know, he's the, he's the, he's the, he's a, he's a clone that represents the face of the Republic military, but he's also got a droid body, essentially, and part brain, which is totally representative of the separatist military, right? So kind of, uh, kind of poetic, kind of poetic. Yeah. Kind of crazy there. Yeah. So, after all the shenanigans transpire, the and Echo is given opportunity by the Bad Batch to join them in their group instead of going back to the general uh, Republic military and joining back again with the 501st. And he takes up, takes up that offer due to the fact that he doesn't think he would ever fit in again with all the yeah. rest of the, the clone military. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, that's what I was just kind of getting at. You know, it uh, it was such a great way to end off the arc because, you know, he's he's in this different place now where he's lost everyone. He looks different. He feels like an outsider. And he's just found this batch of outsiders, you know, who are all clones that kind of look like clones, but they're they're different. Right. Yeah. And, and they all have these different attributes around them that make and them it, different. And take pride in it. Don't yeah, they embrace it, right? Down. Like, yeah. yeah, they embrace that identity and, and they have their own thing going on. And so Rex kind of approaches him and he goes like, you know, I think he, he just understands, right? And and Hunter also gets it and he kind of gives him the offers. Like, if you if you want to, if you don't fit in here with these guys, like, you're, you're, you can be one of us kind of thing, you know? Uh, and it was and a I, great, I really like that. Yeah. It's a great offer. And we now see... Not only was it a good offer from his perspective of if you actually have somewhere to fit in, he wouldn't be forced to be an outsider. Yeah. But it, now we see it was also bringing in this beloved character and setting him up for the next series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and it, you know, it makes me wonder just how much of that was planned. Because when the original concept for, well, when the original proxy animation for this episode arc was... Uh, was done, you know, years ago when season six was actually released on, on Netflix at the time. Uh, it was, uh, it, that's how it ended off was he joins the bad batch. I'm pretty sure. Right. And in the final animated one years later, when they finally finished it with season seven, uh, that's, that's how they kept it. But then they decided to do an animated show to follow the clone wars that took place with these group of characters. And, you know, I found it really cool that, that that's how they segued a Clone Wars sequel was they took the only kind of group of clones that would likely not be villains after yeah. the purge, right? And they 
uh, they delivered us a story that gave us clones in a post-Clone War era trying to survive in that time period, right? And that's what makes the Bad Batch so cool. What I'm less fond about the Bad Batch, which is what we can now talk about freely, uh, with the first five episodes being released and everything like that, is that Echo's kind of taken a bit of a backseat. And yeah. if any of you guys listening have listened to our review episodes about these these episodes in the show, uh, you know, it's kind of a disappointing thing that I've had to deal with as I've watched it, is that he's just kind of shoved in this backseat position as this new show introduces us to new characters, which is fair. I just hope they just do a little more with them in the future. It's ironic that that's the same complaint a lot of people had with the sequel trilogy, with the original trilogy characters taking yeah. a backseat. Yeah, and, and you know, in a way, it's like... I, I see, I, I feel as if it's almost... Uh, I, I give Force Awakens a lot of flack, all right? Um, the one thing that I can actually appreciate about it in a big respect is that Han Solo was a main character of the movie. Agreed. Right? And, and that's something that I feel like should have been done with the other films. Like, I feel like Luke Skywalker should have had a bigger part of that movie. Not that his role in that movie was not, you know, gravitational to any degree. Like, I thought, I thought there was, you know, some nobility to what he did and, uh, and stuff like that. But I, I just feel like we didn't see enough of him and we I didn't see enough that. of Leia and, you know, we didn't see enough of those characters. And, uh, and, you know, it's like, this is an animated show that I'm sure they will come around to maybe utilizing him in the future because he's such a unique, you know, child of these two parts of the war that, uh, it would be almost a waste to just keep him in the back seat. You know what I mean? I agree. I think they are holding him back duly, like purely because they want us to know the new characters better. Uh, yeah. Something that did cross my mind, which is really unfortunate for Echo in the big picture, is he basically became the perfect soldier for the clone separatist war. Mm -hmm. Because, not like he's for fighting for the Republic, and he would have all of the same fighting capabilities as the rest of the clones, but he also would be able to get into the computer systems and deal with them on the tech level side as well, unlike the rest of the clones, right? Yeah. And he was given these extra abilities right as the war ends, and he's no longer – basically all of the benefits he gained from that are no longer benefits because they're not really applicable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's one last appearance that Echo has so far. I mean, as we as Bad Batch continues at this moment in time to come out with season one, we have five episodes already. We're getting more. Season one's going to be uh, a decent long run, I think, with between, is it 12 and 16 episodes or something around there. But uh, Echo actually was mentioned in the Lords of the Sith novel, which was uh, in in a vague memory of mine that I had to kind of look up once I saw this confirmation that he is. And in chapter 13, there's a very interesting little, little section here. And what I love about this book is that it really gets into the head of Vader and, you know, Anakin as Vader, right? And he's still struggling with that transformation in, in a way. And uh, this book takes place about four or five years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. 
So ironically enough, this is actually the same time that Jedi Fallen Order takes place. And uh, is that, you know, if anyone's played the game, you know what I'm talking about. But in chapter 13, there's a little area here where it says, the captain of the Royal Guard sat on the ground across from them. You should remove your helmet, Captain, the Emperor said. It- <laughs> you gotta do it all now. <laughs> it must wear on you to have it on all the time. Thank you, my Emperor, the Captain said. He removed his helmet to reveal a mane familiar to Vader, a scarred face of a clone. The features and uh, the features and echo of so many faces from Vader's past. Rex, Cody, Fives, Echo. The roster of names moved through Vader's mind, each of them a trigger for a memory, each of them a ghost from his past. Now, it's unclear whether or not Echo's actually alive at this moment in time because the Bad Batch hasn't caught up with that moment in the timeline yet. But I'd be willing to bet that he possibly is. Bad Batches might be okay around then, uh, doing, uh, doing their own thing. That being said... One might think they would have shown up in Rebels if that were the case. Right. You'd think. I mean, at some point, perhaps they got to go. Or maybe they'll take the Ezra way out. (laughs) Space whales to the outer rim. (laughs) Boom! Just hyperspace to the other end of the universe, never to be seen again. They don't need to die. We just need to get them out of it. Ship them out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I know Filoni uh, doesn't like getting rid of his toys in a permanent way. No, he doesn't. He so, doesn't. Chances I mean, somehow are. he squeaked Ahsoka through the original trilogy like a boss. I mean, like I don't know how anyone else could have done it but him. And you know, it's like somehow he just makes it work. Yeah, somehow we're way. okay with it. And now somehow he's had us all having fantasies about him, and, her, and Luke getting together and. You know, maybe she replaces Mara Jade as, uh, uh, you know, isn't that crazy? I mean, like, wait, if you wait, think wait, about wait. it. Think replaces Mara Jade like Ahsoka and Luke get married <laughs> and have a kid? No, I'm just pulling your like. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, but I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, wow, they both exist in this time period. Like, they also, both have somebody very important to them in common. Like, I wonder she's like if thirty years his senior, <laughs> not, not that much. <laughs> like, it's like she's like sixteen years a senior, maybe. But it, it's uh, it's crazy to think though that perhaps she doesn't know about Vader's redemption, and Luke, of course, does. Oh, I wonder yeah. if they'll ever meet up about it, and if he ever tells her what happened because she knows that Vader's Anakin, right? Yeah. And so, she must know that Vader's dead with the Death Star too. Yeah, she must not feel him anymore. Yeah, in the Force, maybe. I don't know. I would. I would be surprised if she, if she uh, wasn't aware of that, right? Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if she had felt something of like somewhere in the galaxy, in the universe, the spirit of Anakin Skywalker returned in that last flicker of time before he was out. Right. Uh, anyway, kind of off topic, but. Uh, lots of cool stuff to talk about Echo. I mean, he's a main character of of the Bad Batch. He's a uh, reoccurring supporting character in many of the episodes of Clone Wars. But it really sticks out to me in this reference in this book that he's one of those four names. Yeah. You know, like Rex, Cody, Fives and Echo. Like just he's a staple for clone. I mean, he's no, in the top five, right? Like he's he's in that top of the list. I mean, for Vader, for Anakin to think back all those years. I mean, 
not in that this has been too long for him at this point in time, like four or five years. But, you know, to think back at at Echo, like his I was like. And I know Ahsoka's referenced in the book as well, but, um, you know, to think that that face of the Royal Guard reminded him of those four people. Right. True. I mean, I think the list is slightly wrong. Maybe instead of Cody or Fives, it should have been Dogma. Yeah. <laughs> Such a memorable guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that clone in custody. Yeah. Uh, Nearly he, uh, destroyed the 501st by following Pong Krell's that's, orders. That's him. Yep. He was <laughs> yeah. so like caught up with following orders that he was killing his own brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Echo, everybody. Echo. Uh, if you're interested in watching all the stuff with Echo, you can go through Star Wars episodes of the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, of course, starting with clone cadets, rookies, ARC troopers, going through the next arc being the Citadel counterattack, Citadel rescue, and the final arc of the Clone Wars being the Bad Batch, a distant echo on the wings of Kiridax and unfinished business. And now finally, we got the Bad Batch season one. So you know, we went through this whole second half of talking about Echo, and we didn't get into the fact that it's time for him to replace that screwdriver hand. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's talk a moment about the screwdriver hand. <laughs> so he's got the screwdriver hand, right? And, uh, you know, he, I, I feel like it's just anytime I see him, it's just like this is an ARC trooper. Right? Yeah. He's got to be like one of the most baddest clones ever. But he doesn't feel like an ARC trooper in Bad Batch. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like an ARC trooper in the Bad Batch. After like, his, all his modifications, he doesn't feel he like He feels that. like an underused astromech. <laughs> He does. And and, and you know, that's basically what he is, especially two episodes ago with the one with Fennec Shand. Uh, you know, he was basically just the droid chauffeur. He was able to tell the droids, cause a distraction and or whatever and follow me and fix our ship. Yeah, which is and, something uh, R2 would have done in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, the droid guy. So he's got a screwdriver arm. And it's like, I want that. I think I've, I've mentioned it multiple occasions, but I'll I'll say it again. I love the movie Treasure Planet and uh, and uh, Long John Silver and, uh, you know, his arm, his mech arm that transforms into like a, everything like he needs one of those. <laughs> Dude, it's so cool. Like It's so cool. Right. I mean, he's got everything packed in there. Like he needs he needs he needs one of those things like tech is the the computer guy. Right. Or like the guy who's got all the tech knowledge. And yep. I feel like Echo is just borderline on he's being an, a, a clone of tech. Almost he's an in Echo of tech. Yeah, he's an Echo of tech. <laughs> <laughs> he's an Echo of his reality. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's he's basically another tech, right? And we don't we don't want another tech. Like you know, it's like tech is tech, right? Like I don't want to think of Echo as tech. I want to think of Echo as this this balling yeah. clone. And they've this- already proven tech to be more capable hacker. Yeah. Then Echo. Yeah. Yeah. He's the gadgeteer in a way, right? Like he's, he's got all the, the techie techie stuff, but what they need is like a something, something of an assassin or something like that. Like they need someone with all the, the weaponized gear. Swiss like, army, you know, it's the Swiss army, man. Yeah. Like, like they, like arc troopers are kind of known for being resourceful because they have all these cool gadgets. Right. And in the Citadel arc where we saw them at their peak of being arc troopers, 
they pulled out all this like some of the, some of the, these things they pulled out these crazy gadgets and stuff and they got all these wrist gauntlet things and you know it's like damn like what's packed in there like i want to know what's in there and and like i would love for them to put him back together again kind of like humpty dumpty it's like okay we've got this swiss army man that's got so much potential let's plug that screwdriver into like a giant mech armor or rocket launcher or something like you know let's or interchangeable, gear it up interchangeable yeah. hand or something yeah let's gear him up i mean you know echo point 2.0 yeah it's funny how we often see him like screwdriver punching through like droids and stuff but <laughs> like yeah yeah exactly that's what he does, does that he just drills through them. yeah yeah it looks ridiculous though when you see it hanging at his side and it's like shorter than the other arm yeah it's all stumpy like, come on yeah no i agree his helmet's Those, cool though his helmet's pretty cool they have a chance to make this really badass clone trooper but yeah they haven't used it yet. I'm hoping this is something that's going to come about. But you would think when they had the resources of the Bad Batch crew, Clone Force 99, because they have all the stuff they want. They're like their own unique group. They have the ship. They have yeah. everything that they want, all the explosives, all the unique gear. And Ekono has a modified like armor, but he didn't yeah. do anything with his hand. It's so yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's, he's rebuilt for most of the part except his arm. It's like, ugh. but whatever. Uh, what we all hopefully, need to do uh, is get a picture of Long Long John Silver, and we need to <laughs> tweet that and echo at Dave Filoni. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, like he's got okay. Like I wish I could name every gadget that Long John Silver has, but I mean that's kind of the point, right? Like it's like he's just got everything and anything that he needs. He's got a he's got like a a wrench. He's got a uh, like a frying a frying pan sort of like flamethrower thing. Yeah. He's got a he's got like a, a three pronged mechanical arm thing, yeah. kind of like a, plus a regular hand. Yeah, plus a regular hand. He's got a sword in there. Yep. Like you know, he's got oh, and a pistol. Yeah, I'll say and a pistol. Yeah. Yeah, and and like he's got the whole nine yards. It's like it's pretty cool, and I love the yeah. way it moves and like rotates to get to all the different functions. It looks pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah, pretty totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they could totally suit him up with one of those. Get I think there's an egg beater in there too. Like yeah, his egg beater. Yeah. He, when we meet him, he's the the chef, so he has a yeah. bunch of chef stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, like they could equip him an arm with a wrist gauntlet. Uh, maybe throw some uh, uh, some saber darts in there. Uh, you wrist know, rockets. I mean, wrist rock. Yeah, wrist rockets. So we can blaster, watch those wrist rockets. Blaster arm, grenade launcher, you know? How All cool would it be yards. if he had just went like, like just like slid his forearm up and down a bit and he was like cocked, ready to go? Maybe some like of those like that. Mandalorian shields. Yeah, or or yeah, or like a like one of those um yeah, like a like yeah, like a Mandalorian shield. I was just about to say, like the like the ones that on the clones blasters that they had in season six. Uh, it's the ones in Battlefront too. Actually, they have them around the big, the big shields, like around oh, the, yeah. their gun, right? The heavy gun, uh, something like that. Maybe you can project one of those out of his arm or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything, man. Like, like they could do so much stuff with them. Like a zipline thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you do a lot. And like one of them needs a jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> Jetpacks are cool. One of them needs a jetpack. Arc troopers used to look so awesome because they had all that stuff, right? And they, they had, had the, the backpack. Gear. Yeah, they had all the gear, right? And that's why I think I love Republic Commandos so much, aside from the fact that they all look like normal-sized wreckers, 
right? Like they have the bulky armor and everything like that, but they're just packed. Like they got all this gear, right? And that's what was so cool about Arc Troopers, but they had the dual pistol gunslinging thing going on with yep. all the gadgets and everything. They look like a cool version, a clone version of Django Fett, which was like that was the, the idea, perfect right? combination, right? Yeah. Like, that was if you just so awesome. Get into the original, original Clone Wars cartoon. Each arc trooper had their own unique like weapon of choice, right? So one guy even had like a quad laser cannon that was yeah, attached the shoulder, the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. So like each one that came out had a bigger gun, and then the last guy had like a, a ship cannon, <laughs> like guns on top of guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool though. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, you know he's an interesting character. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing with uh, what, you know where they're going to take his character in the Bad Batch. Hopefully, once we spent enough time with Omega and and the rest of the crew, uh, weirdly enough, after seeing them in in the Clone Wars for that short arc of episodes and now the five episodes that we have, I'm already sold on the characters. You know, like like they don't need to sell me more on the characters already. Like I'm I'm fine. I, I'm good to go. Um, no, I agree. I think we I, are reaching that point. I couldn't imagine. Yeah them continuing to push those sort, sorts of story arcs. I think we're going to start getting stuff more interesting. I would yeah, be I just, uh, I hope they just kind of go in a few different, you know, a few more places with the, some of the characters. Uh, I was looking at the trailer and some of the footage that uh, we have in there from unreleased episodes. And there's actually not a whole lot to really break down crazy. There's an episode we know Rex is going to show up in the show at some point. And we know that they're going to end up on Bracca, which is the the planet from Jedi Fallen Order that you start off in, tearing down Venator class ships. And uh, who knows why they're going to be there? There was a shot that was notable of Omega using her electro bow that she picks up in the most recent episode that we had with the Rancor, the baby Rancor. I thought you were going to uh, say using the Force for a second there. No, so she uses this bow and arrow of hers, <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no Force using yet. <laughs> And uh, there was there was a few other shot there. Uh, there was a shot of Wrecker battling some BX commando droids, and right. uh, yeah, which right. is interesting because the droids have supposedly been shut down. So I, I'm kind of wondering, kind of why those are still up and running. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting show, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. So here's to Echo, everybody. Did they get? Sorry, this is. A little bit obscure, I guess. But did they get Amir Wat Tambor at the end? Did they kill him at the end of the Bad Batch arc? Wat Tambor? Yeah. Wat Tambor was killed in Revenge of the Sith on Mustafar with the oh, he was on there. Okay, I thought that was just the Nemodians. Yeah. yeah. That was everybody. That was like the whole Separatist council there that Anakin wiped out. Uh, you know, banking clan to to all the way to at least I think banking. Clan. Oh it yeah, was, he forced crushed it, it was everybody. That's right. It was yeah, it was everybody that that he uh, he killed. Yeah, so cool moments. <laughs> I, it's almost sad because now think about it. They could have had him like he could have been building those droids or yeah. That, that I, I mean, happened. like. He was just a chairman. He was like the leader of the techno union. I'm, yeah. I, somebody else must have stepped up to take over what was left of it, though. I'm sure you know it's probably just some sort of 
empire business that got absorbed or something like that you know it's but that's that's where there's so much potential with the bad batch because they can get into all that stuff like you know i have questions like what happened to the banking clan after the empire took over like what happened to techno union after empire took over all that stuff right yeah yeah and like bad batch is like the great the greatest segue ever to tell that story because uh, i want to know about the trade federation uh, yeah what happens to the trade federation right like does that get absorbed by the empire too i mean what happened to all their ships like all those massive donut ships uh well yeah i guess they just sent them all to that planet that they deconstruct stuff Braca? yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe i don't know i get i guess so maybe we, I, we saw one in the game right yeah it's, it's definitely where a lot of the wreckage goes for sure it's just like do they take perfectly new ships there or is it just the i think so broken I mean, stuff from what i saw at in like the very beginning of uh star wars uh, jedi fallen order is they actually fly in one of those uh like donut ships in Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, do we do we have anything else to bring up about Echo before we move on? Maybe to uh, one of these one of these more recent news things before we call it. I don't think I had anything else to bring up. All right. So I'll just, I guess, speculation. But I think we went over everything at this yeah. point. Cool. Uh, well, that being said, I know um, I know everyone loves Star Wars Lego. So, real quick mention: Darth Vader Meditation Chamber is available for pre-order right now on Lego.com, and it's got the same aesthetic on the box as like some of those UCS sets. You know, the Mos Eisley Cantina, and uh, what's the other ones they've done? Cloud City, the playset ones, but they're also just really luxurious and big and stuff. So, this is like a mini one. 663 pieces. It's quite small. Looks cool. It up right now. It's cool. From what I can see, this looks pretty sweet. And I recall as a kid watching the movie, yeah. always wishing that they would make something like this. And I kind of wanted to try to make it myself just out of parts. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome. I know they, I know they, wait, have they released one of these before? I don't think so. Interesting. Oh, looks yeah. Cool. It's got a really fancy box. Definitely. It is. it is very supposed to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the high end sets for sure. Yeah. And it's, um, all, and it's actually slightly cheaper than the collectible Money and Falcon. Yeah. The Ultimate Collector Series Money and Falcon. So if you have a budget for that, you could afford the Darth Vader Meditation Chamber. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I know not, you had uh, a couple a, zeros off. <laughs> I know you had something about uh, about the Star Wars comics lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just kind of stumbling through, and you were saying that one of the episodes might have uh, not episodes, but uh, issues might already be out, and that is uh, Star Wars: War of the Bounty Hunters number one. The galaxy's biggest bounty is Boba Fett, yeah. which I leads me to believe they're going to have a, a story arc around. Boba Fett, I guess, becoming so well known as a bounty hunter that the other bounty hunters try to knock him off. Right. Or someone puts a bounty on him. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an interesting crossover event because not only is this the biggest crossover that's happened ever since Marvel, com- uh, Marvel Star Wars comics have uh, been publishing since 
the 2015 run, but it combines more crossover stories. So this combines Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra, Star Wars, Bounty Hunters. They have the War of the Bounty Hunters prelude called Alpha One, I think is the issue's name. And uh, I believe that's, oh, and then the ongoing Star Wars series. So there's like, there's like five or six kind of titles in this, this lineup. And it's supposed to go all the way until fall, which is kind of crazy because that's like a really long crossover event. But each series, if you've been reading Vader, Star Wars, Dr. Rapper, whatever, uh, they have uh, been continuing that story up until this latest particular issue that released not long ago. Everyone, every series title has been getting a prelude to the War of the Bounty Hunters event, which basically segues their story into the War of the Bounty Hunters story. And then the issues following throughout the summer all the way till fall are all going to have the War of the Bounty Hunters title on it. And they're all going to be telling this consistent narrative. So it should be an interesting way of telling a story that happened between episode five and six. Kind of makes me wonder if there's a little more to whether Han Solo actually made it straight to Jabba's palace or if there was a bit of a detour there. (laughs) There's very little in the terms of canon books and stuff that takes place in that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. So um, kind I've of been really, yeah, I've been really enjoying the Darth Vader comics. I haven't actually read any of the other new ones yet, but this one uh, so far they've been neat. great. They had a bit of a prelude here on StarWars.com to give you an idea. Mm. And what happens with this Boba Fett comic is a, a open bounty goes live and it's one of the highest paying bounties ever put out. Nor, and, they kind of, and they say that here in one of the, the bubbles that bounties of this size are normally done like under the table or privately. Right. But this one's, it's open and it's for Boba Fett and he's actually in a cantina. They all, everyone kind of like, Oh, so this is not a bounty get. exclusively for the guild, but this is a bounty for this like anybody. Exactly. So it's basically yeah. like you bring in the body, you get the money. Yeah. And even bounty hunters such as Zuckus are after him. It makes me wonder, like, why, though? I mean... That's the idea, is you don't know, right? So you got to read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. You know, good- there, that, that, that could make for some interesting story, because we know that Bosk and Boba go way back like, yeah. to the Clone Wars, right? So, and, and I know that he's in this series as well. And that's exactly what it is in the EU. Because in the EU, originally, Boba yeah. is the highest paid bounty hunter in the galaxy, but he works exclusively like on, on his own. He doesn't work with the guild. Everyone else is in the guild and he works only private personally mm-hmm. uh, called in mission. So people will reach out to him say like, we'll give you this much money to do this job. Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't have to pay his dues, the guild and all that sort of stuff. And throughout the, the novels and some of the comics, there's this kind of feud in between the guild, which is run by, um, so the, yeah, there's there's a feud between the guild itself and Boba because they're competing jobs, right? And mm-hmm. so the guild's always trying to knock off Boba and like kill him because he keeps stealing all, all the best paying jobs, and they want to all move up the ranks. So they're always trying to kill Boba off, but he's always one step ahead. Yeah, and a Bosk and Bosk's family—they run the guild. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, 
so it and becomes, that's EU, right? That's, that's the, the, the legends. Yeah. That's the legend so stuff. it's a feud between Bosk and Boba, essentially. Huh. But that Boba, could, could, sorry, Bosk yeah. has all these different minions at his at like that he can that, like disperse, and then Boba's got all the best tech. That could make for some very interesting story because. You know, it's it's um, it's never been confirmed in the Ken whether or not Boba at that point in time is or isn't part of the guild. So just based on the Mandalorian, he's obviously not part of the guild at that point in time. Right. I don't no. even know if he's a bounty no, hunter at that point. He's in time. Also, he was considered dead for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe this lineup Mm-hmm. will possibly set up anything for those future shows at all or if maybe they'll make links to the existing shows no yeah. i 100 would think just based on timing of this comic coming out that it's gonna have lead into probably something that'll have to do with book of boba fett book of boba fett for sure yeah because that comes out this fall and and this the series uh, crossover ends in I think it's October or something like that. Yeah. Uh, at least as far as I know. So it's good lead up. Yeah, it is a very good lead up because I believe the show comes out in November or something like that. So it's, it's going to be a, an interesting piece of timing there, which yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd never actually, I hadn't even run that through my head. You know, it's always, it's always crazy trying to stay on top of all the Star Wars stuff. And it's like, Oh yeah, there's like a connection there. You know, yeah, you start to see the pieces. All yeah, the together. pieces of uh, the corporate releases. You know, <laughs> all these pieces of yeah, the their product coming yeah. out. I mean, yeah. it could just be a, a ruse, if you will, because I remember people were so excited for Agents of Shield, like Marvel's yeah. Agents of Shield, thinking that they're going to find out what's going to happen in the next Avengers movie. Yeah, and they yeah, didn't yeah. share anything. It was a yeah, complete nothing. waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. It might also just be because I know Marvel does this with their superheroes is they'll release a new title for a character when the hype is about. So more recently, I don't know if you're if you're into the superhero stuff, uh, but the trailer for Legend of Shang-Chi came out on YouTube and everything like that. And people were talking about it. The next thing I know, Marvel's releasing a number one issue for that titled character in a in a comic book that's you know again separate from the mcu but they're just using that character and trying to gain some revenue on all the comic books that's not surprising hey if you like the trailer and you're excited for the movie here's the here's the character featured in this story and we're going to be telling a new story with this character right so that's kind of what they do and it makes me wonder if this war of the bounty hunters is set up by luke's film to tell those connections for future stuff for past stuff or if it's just a marketing thing and it's like, this is the year that Boba Fett's going to have his own show. Let's just cash in on it and see if we can sell some extra comic books. It's probably a bit of everything, to be completely honest. I would hope that they would use this opportunity to set up some of what will lead into what's happening with Boba yeah. Fett. So like we don't know why Boba turned on Jabba or like turned on Bib. If Fortuna, if Fortuna yeah, yeah. just came in and took over. Like, there's got to right. be some reason. We there's That's no reason to believe prior to seeing Boba take over, become a crime lord, that he would be yeah. interested in doing that at all. 
Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you know, there's there's a story there to be told. And and it's almost like the gap between episode four and five with Star Wars, the more recent. Well, a couple of years ago, the the original Star Wars and Darth Vader lineups that came out in 2015, they told that story as to how Vader figures out that Luke is actually his son. Because in the movies, it's actually never told. Like, it's like in the first movie, it's like, oh, this guy's strong with the force. And then he Death Star blows up. Millennium Falcon comes in. Boom, Vader's flying away. And in the next movie, he's hunting down Luke like a dog trying to get him because he's convinced that he's his son and everything like that. And then he finally tells him the truth. But it's like, where did he actually even find that out? Because in episode three, he thought that Padme and the children had, or the kid, because he didn't know he had too, uh, had just died. Right. And, and never found that out. So that story for ages now, even in the novels, I don't think it was ever addressed. Made, yeah. Ever addressed in the way that it has been more recently. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Legends novel that that maybe did tell that story, which I just haven't read. But it's never been fully kind of smacked out there as an arc as to how he discovers that information. Right. Um, and that's something that I really, really liked about, about that series. Uh, so it's possible that maybe filling that void, something that they'll do with the Boba Fett comics where there's some bad blood between him and some of the crew in Jabba's palace. Right. Yeah, and I could totally see that. It's that a great opportunity. The, they should. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I could see that if he ever kind of something comes up where he's like, you know what, if I am if I see my opportunity to take leadership here, I'm going to do it. Right. And that's exactly what he does. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that show. Yeah, I'm quite curious about this comic, actually. I might pick this one up. Yeah. So um, that's all the time that we got for today. But, uh, you know, we'll be back with uh, with Friday's Friday's Bad Batch reviews uh, going forward. And uh, do you have any last words on on that or, or Echo? I think we covered it all pretty thoroughly. Uh, I'm going to stand by what our last comments really were. And that's that you just want to see echo utilized a little better and we're excited to see that i think we will get it like i don't think this is something we're going to continue with him backseating so i'm i'm excited to see him uh, come to the forefront and maybe even have some cool arcs that have to do with like him and, and like about echo himself yeah for sure all right man well we'll catch you in the next one sounds good got a blast <laughs> got a blast <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. And as always, if you can share this show with a friend, let them know that Star Wars podcasts are a cool thing to listen to if you're a Star Wars fan. Feel free to leave a great review as well. We'd love the support and uh, it helps bring in new people to listen to the show as well. If you haven't joined our Discord profile, we're streaming episodes here and there on a loop in the live stage discovery section of Discord. Of course, we, uh, we'd love to put this show on 24-7 for Star Wars fans out there. But, uh, you know, we have lives beyond talking about Star Wars, believe it or not. <laughs> not to say that building a life around Star Wars chat is not cool. I mean, we love it. We just can't do it all the time. Sleep is a thing. 
So uh, we'd love to have you join us for the ride with future episodes reviewing the Bad Batch. More What Happened episodes coming down the road. Stay tuned for the reviews of more games going forward, books from the High Republic era, and of course, more discussions about many more crazy cool Star Wars topics in the future brought to you by us here at Star Wars Escape Pod. Feel free to send us a voicemail, email, tweet, Instagram. It's all in the description below at SW Escape Podcast. We'll see you next time here on the show in the Escape Pod. May the force be with you guys. We'll see you next time. 